This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 392, recorded on Monday, the 10th of September, 2018. Now, you may have noticed something different off the top there. I don't know if you I were did paying notice attention, it. Jason. Yes, I was paying attention and I did notice. <laughs> All right. We, we, we have some new opening theme music. We do. I like it. It's, it's familiar because the voiceover is the same, but the background track is different. So um, why, you may ask, is it new? Why is it new, Chris? Well, the answer to that question is probably long and drawn out, but the short version is we were thinking, Jason and I, you and I were talking recently, and we were thinking that it might be time for a change for the opening music of the podcast. Yeah, and I think that now is the time for the time for a change. So we considered waiting until the main show came back and starting the new intro music right off with season nine, episode one. But I also thought that it would be better to maybe ease into it a little bit, get it going as fear is winding down, let everyone get used to it for a minute. And I know change is hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for both of us. We've we used the old one for eight years or something like that and grew very attached to it. But I I have no problem with change. Oh, you don't? No, I don't. Okay, well, I was very attached to it. I thought oh. it was great, and I and I didn't want to change it first. But once I started looking around for something different, and I came across this track, uh, I thought it worked quite well. So we went with it. We talked about it some more. We had a slap fight, as we generally do when we're making you, decisions. Yes, we do. We do have a slap fight. Even if we do agree, we have agreement slap fights. An agreement slap fight, exactly. Yeah. And, and we can't... I agree with you, slap. We we came Me to too, con- slap. <laughs> we came to consensus amongst the two of us that yep. it was time for a change. I might have more to say on it at the end of the podcast or on a future week because there are some other considerations. But I just wanted to bring it up quickly right now to let everyone know that it was not a mistake. And for all intents and purposes moving forward, that is going to be the new opening to the show. So I hope you like it. Uh but you know, the best way to to kind of get used to it is do what I did. Listen to it like 60 times in a row over the course of one day, and you'll really start to enjoy it. I, I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah, and uh, that's actually the, uh, the belief I have in uh, pretty much any music. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you sit down and listen to a song, like it, don't like it, think it's, uh, you know, performed by an idiot, you sit down and you listen to a song 50, 60 times, by the end of that time, you're going to like that song. Right. You are. It's it's going to be embedded in your brain. So That's why that's why classic music from the 80s. Now, I like those songs even though when I listened to them in the 80s, I thought they were the highest piece of crap. Like Walk Like an Egyptian, I hated that song in the 80s. I like it now. It's a great tune. It is a great tune. In the 80s, I absolutely despised it. Okay. Well, but that'll happen. If you listen to this over and over again, uh, you'll, you'll be on board. I'm, I'm sure. Anyways, uh, maybe more on that later, but again, as I said, I hope, I hope you like it and, and let us know what you think, but that's, you know, that's I think and what we're going ahead with at this point. Yeah. One other announcement before we get into this week's episode of fear the walking dead is that we are going to make another change. So it's a big, it's a big period of change right now, Jason. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And that is, this one might even be harder for people to swallow, uh, but unfortunately it's necessary. We are going to be recording our sort of main weekly episodes for the foreseeable future on Tuesday nights instead of Monday nights. That's, that's tough. It's tough. It puts an extra day in between broadcast of the show and our podcast coming out. And, you know, this, this has its, ups, its upsides as well. One of them being that The Walking Dead doesn't air in the UK until Monday nights. So it gives people that extra day around the world to see it. Uh, if you are waiting for the actual broadcast time in your local uh, community, but it gives you that opportunity. And so our podcast will record Tuesday. That means that you don't have to wait to listen or you don't have to, uh, or you can get some feedback in, you know, that's a little bit more on time. Incidentally, feedback shows when we do them during the main show will stay on Thursday nights. So that's not going to change. It just means now that your podcast will come out sometime Tuesday night, Eastern time, Eastern coast, East coast of North America. And the next one will come out sometime Thursday night. So hopefully that's not a big bummer for everyone. Um, And sort of another positive for that is, to be honest, it makes it a little bit easier for us to get to watch the episode uh, a couple of times at least, make the notes we make, really analyze it, think about it, and we don't have to watch the episode immediately turn around and record a show. Yeah, there's been a couple of times where uh, it's come close, but it's never happened that uh, I haven't had a chance to watch the episode by the time we record the podcast. We, it's been close. It's been close a couple of times. It has. But, he's he's uh, sort it, of it, finished and turned had, it off and we've hit record. <laughs> well, we've had to delay the podcast time by, you know, 20 minutes because I was still watching the episode. Right. Kind of thing. So this uh, this allows me a little bit of extra time to get my shit together, so that uh, we can we can re- if we record on Tuesday nights, then I I should I should I should have my I'm I, you know I'm hesitant to commit fully, but I'm going to commit fully. I will commit to uh, having my shit together for Tuesday night. <laughs> by Tuesday night. Well, that's good. And and the other main real main reason is that something's come up in my life that. Um, gives me a conflict or presents a conflict every Monday night uh, with recording. So we can't, I can't be in two places at once. Um, I'm, I'm doing something else on Mondays now, unfortunately, uh, although I'm not upset about it. It's, it's a good thing. And um, it just means the podcast has to go one night later. Uh, The rest of the schedule Thursday nights will be, will be the same. Um, So again, I hope this isn't, too big of a deal. We're still going to have the same content coming out. It's going to be the same when we do the main show. We'll do our detailed recaps and breakdowns. Um, and nothing else is going to change except the time a little bit. Uh, so hopefully everyone can deal with that. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 okay. And again, I, like I said, change for most people is hard, but I know you'll get used to it and I know you'll stick with us. And we really, really appreciate the fact that that you will too. So that's it. Does anyone want to know what I'm doing on Monday nights instead? Should I tell? Should uh, well, I tell I people? I already know, but other people might. Well, I've been drafted to a hockey team, and <laughs> and, and I you were actually drafted to the hockey team. Well, was it was it formal or was it like you want to be on the team? I li- I like to tell people that, but uh, you know, I've joined a hockey team that plays on Monday nights, and it's something I've wanted to do for a really really long time, and I've been working up to it. I've been practicing. I've been getting into shape a little bit, 
and I had my first game with them yesterday, which I know is weird because yesterday was a Sunday. Uh, but going forward, it's going to be Monday nights. And I, I put this off for a long time because we recorded on Monday nights and I didn't want to mess up the podcast schedule because the podcast is really important to me as well. But this has become something that I really want to do and I'm enjoying it so much. So I just have to do it. And the reason it has to be on Monday nights, I guess, you know, it doesn't absolutely have to be, but the, the league I've joined and the team I've joined is a local team and they just happen to play on Monday nights and that's when they do it. So it's not for me to go in and say, guys, can we change this to another night? Because I got this other thing I do. So for now, uh, and the foreseeable future, I'll be, I'll be doing that. I hope everyone understands it's super fun. And, um, We'll be recording on Tuesdays, but it's the best of both worlds, the way I see it. Yeah, I I like it. It works for me. I think it works out a little bit better for me as well, because Mondays usually I uh, I do spend quite a bit of time crying on Mondays, usually <laughs> uh, usually after the podcast. So this gives me the entire evening to uh, to to break down and weep. <laughs> Wonderful. That's good. I'm glad after spending two hours on the phone with me, you decide that you need to cry for a while. Well, it's not you know not directly related to you. It's just you know Mondays. Oh, yeah. Mondays are tough. Mondays are tough. Mondays, I've never been able to get the hang of Mondays. All right, Garfield. Okay. With all that being said, let's move on into what we're really here to do, and that is cover the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Okay, okay. I'm going to do better on this hand. All right. He's dealing out the cards, and I got, whew, I got an ace. I got an ace. Oh, what's the next one going to be? Oh, oh, it's a jack. Blackjack. Thank you very much, Wendy from South Dakota, who did that title read for us. That was a clever one. That was good. I think the only time I ever played a uh, a non-slot game in a casino was in Vegas, and I played uh, I played blackjack for all of felt like fifteen seconds, and I blew like sixty bucks. It was a five dollar table. I did I did not do well. You did not do well, eh? You you were there with your current girlfriend at the time, I recall, and. Uh, was she standing there playing with you or cheering you on or what, what oh, no, was going on? Oh, no, she was playing roulette. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some different table all, somewhere else. Yeah, she was, well, it was close by, but uh, yeah, she was uh, she was playing roulette. And I decided to play a hand of black, or a couple of hands of blackjack yeah. and I uh, lost them all. And I walked away from the table. And I'm like, well, that's blackjack. Yep. That's all the blackjack I'm ever going to play. Yeah. That's probably, a, you know, generally a good policy. Well, I, you know, I play pickup games every now and again. At parties, I would play blackjack. Uh-huh. But, uh, this is the first time I've sat down at an actual casino table. I'll never do that again. Right, right, right. Okay, well, this episode is called Blackjack, but there's very little to do with the actual card game Blackjack in this episode. It refers to more the candy that John Dory is saving for uh, June, for when he gets back to her, but... Here we have an episode, Jason. This is season four, episode 13. Now, I don't know how, sh- how should we, we should begin this off. Often I ask you what your sort of overall thoughts are on the episode. And I don't think it's any secret that between the two of us, I don't think we've been super happy with the way the back half of season four of the show is going. I think it's had its some ups, ups and downs, but overall... It has not been my favorite stretch of episodes for Fear the Walking Dead. And this one, this one I gotta say, I think was an absolute goddamn disaster. It was. And it started off uh, the first thing uh, within the first, oh, geez, uh, 
29 seconds, it looks like from this. The first thing I <laughs> it said to the episode, because I usually talk to the episode. Right? Sure. Well, of course. You, why not? Yeah. First thing I said to the episode was fucking Morgan. <laughs> <I'd> like, <laughs> and it's because it's, you know, he's the first prominent thing. And I think the, the conversation we were having last week about uh, you were saying that uh, you think Morgan has taken over the show as the star is absolutely true. He has to be in all the episodes now. This is the first non-bottle episode uh, that they've uh, that they've had since they started the bottle episodes that were about a storm that apparently is not a storm. Like this one takes place after the storm as well. Well, so, I, yeah, I mean, we, we're seeing the aftermath of the storm and, you know, we figured that out, of course. Um, and, and in a way, I've kind of gotten used to that idea, right? That we saw a little bit of the storm. I guess the Alicia episode was middle of the storm, um, but we're not going to get that storm anymore. And I don't think we should be too critical of that. That's just the way they've decided to go. And declined. I'm going to be critical of it because uh, I think that the uh, escape from the truck from flash flooding is a better story than what we saw in this episode. And they skipped right over it. Yeah. Well, I don't think what we saw in this episode was a story even. Uh, like, I don't I don't know how. And, I, and I'm trying not to be ultra negative here because I know people don't like that. And I don't like it. I don't like the feeling when I when I watch this and I'm like, this was terrible. but. I think this episode was terrible. Like this, it was, is, it was terrible, and they they really obviously don't know how alligators work. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even spend that much time thinking about the alligator, to be honest with you. Because you think they they, they like swim around and roar like a couple of times before they get to whatever they're trying to eat. No, they sneak up on the prey. They don't friggin' go rawr, rawr. And I watched it with subtitles because I usually watch it with subtitles, oddly enough. I don't know why. No, I do too. The second I watched time. it with subtitles and it said alligator roars like a couple <laughs> of times. And I'm like, oh my God, seriously, do you not know that they sneak up on their prey? That's their whole thing. And, and, and they don't constantly attack, right? They don't attack everything that comes in the water, except in this show. No, they're sneaky, opportunistic hunters. Yeah. They're not like, I'm going to go after that thing and then keep going after that thing. And if that thing doesn't want to be eaten, I'm going to go after it some more. They're thinking sharks. They wanted a shark, but they couldn't put a shark in there. So they put an alligator. It might've been a crocodile. I don't know the difference. So, but I do know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile and a shark. And <laughs> what they wanted was a shark, but they didn't have a shark. Sure. Well, the alligator and crocodile are are different snout shapes, and yeah, one's round, one's a little more pointy. Sure. Uh, I don't know the difference though. I couldn't tell you whether this was an alligator or a crocodile. I've been calling an alligator, but I could be wrong. Well, I I believe this is a true uh, truth when I say that the only place in the world that alligators and crocodiles coexist is in Florida. Now, I I heard that from somebody somewhere once, and I believed it at the time because I don't know they seem to know what they were talking about, but that may not be true. So that doesn't help us determine what lives in Texas. Well, a lot of things coexist in Florida. Well, that's true. I'm uh, just saying. <laughs> Florida man, you want to watch out for him. <laughs> uh, this episode for me, uh, I think it, and again, I hate being this negative, but I think it was the worst episode Fear the Walking Dead has done. And at best, the best thing I can say is it was kind of boring. <laughs> right? But at worst, like this this made no sense. It was absolutely pointless. It was inconsequential to the greater story. To be honest, if there even is a greater story this season, and I'm not starting to think there there is. Oh, sorry, I'm starting to think there isn't. I should say it yeah. that way. Um 
and and I and I think maybe it was just dumb. Like there was there was everything in this episode was just dumb. Um and after I watched it, and after I watched it a second time, I'm starting to realize that I don't really know what they're trying to do in the back half of this season. What story are they trying to tell? They had a storm, they separated people, and now the entire thing has been them just trying to get back together, talking on walkie-talkies, and fleeing this mystery woman who we, we really don't know anything about. So I just don't know what the point of it all is. And and, I, and I'm a big proponent proponent of reserving judgment until you've seen the whole thing. I know I've said that on here numerous times in the past, and I still believe that. And I will have a complete, you know, judgment on the thing once we've seen the last few episodes, all of season four. But at this point, I feel like I should have some idea of what's going on, why people are doing things, and and why we're being sort of presented with this story. And this episode did absolutely nothing for me to to help me understand that. In fact, it made me realize that I just don't think they know what they're doing. It's pretty harsh. I don't think I was that harsh in my thoughts, but uh, I don't disagree with your thoughts, mm-hmm. but it's pretty harsh. Yeah, it may you, be harsh. You don't think they know what they're doing? Like, hopefully they know what they're doing. They're just doing it wrong. Well, I mean, in a way that, yeah, that's to me, that's sort of the same thing, though. But like, when I think back to the first half of the season, you know, they did know what they were doing. And I know it was a different, uh, it was a different time. It was sort of wrapping up what came before, before they moved into what's going to come after. And the first half of the season was about Madison trying to find a safe place for her family. And you could argue that the entire show, one seasons one, two, and three, up until that point had been about this. And at yep. least the show had that sort of purpose and those goals and you could you could feel that's what they were doing and that's the story they were telling but at, but now that it just feels aimless it feels like they've decided to have all these new characters come in and tell a story of them driving around trying to find each other after getting separated and that's not compelling and i don't think it's been compelling very much since the second half of season four started. I mean, my, all my nitpicks are not as grand. My nitpicks are very small, uh, but there's a lot of them in this episode. Like even John Dory was disappointing in this episode. And I'm disappointed that I'm disappointed in how disappointing John Dory was. I, I completely agree with that. Well, let's talk about Strand and, and John Dory and everything they were doing in this episode. So to set it up, they come out of the, they come out of the storm stranded in a flooded area. So they're they're surrounded by water. At one point they refer to it, I think Strand refers to it as an island, even though it's yep. not. It's simply a flooded area due to the storm and they can't get across the water. Yes. So they're stuck there. And they can't get across the water because there's this killer crocodile who's magically appeared in this flooded area. First of all, that bothered me. It wasn't an existing waterway that had wildlife in it that just overflowed and flooded and got way deeper from my understanding. My understanding is that that used to be land and then it rained a lot and a dam broke or something and it flooded. And now all of a sudden there's alligators there. I'm not sure that happens. Like alligators just flow in from somewhere else. I I, I really don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with alligators. Right. I I suppose it could. Or sharks for that matter. Right. I suppose it could happen. But it felt strange, and 
I don't know. So anyways, that's where they are. They're, they're stuck there and they spend the entire, um, the entirety of their episode trying to get across this water to get to the other side, which essentially is back to the mainland, I guess you could call it. And they're stymied by this killer croc, killer alligator. Um, so what was it about this that, that disappointed you so much? Well, a couple of things. First of all, um, just I wanted to expand on my not experience and having an experience with uh, alligators, crocodiles, or sharks. In my experience, if I was in this situation, uh, there would be a lot of mosquitoes. And that's basically the, the biggest threat that I would have is that I would you know hold up inside of that building and not leave because of the amount of mosquitoes that would be outside. That would be horrendous. <laughs> okay, so, fair enough. Because <laughs> they can be pretty nasty. Sure. So my problem was uh, with Strand. And he went out of his way to be a lazy asshole. And I'm not sure that that's exactly what somebody who was a lazy asshole would do. If he truly was a lazy asshole, he wouldn't have left that building. He would have just stayed there. Like he did grackle or no grackle, he wouldn't have left. He walked a good 150 yards to go and uh, tell John Dory that he wasn't going to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be a lazy asshole that just wants to drink and, you know, go through the food and stuff, just stay in the building. Like, why, why come out here to complain? Just stay in the building. Sure. And, and the fact that he came with John at all, I know they, they, um, presented that like John sort of said, you, you owe me in a way. That's why you got to come out and, and help me do what I'm, you know, help me look for people. Um, but Strand came originally and then they got stuck and you're right. He came out of the building to tell John Dory that he was useless instead of just staying in there. Yeah. Yeah. And John Dory knows how to build a raft. I'm, I ha- I can't believe that he would think that that raft, as soon as I saw the raft, first of all, it wasn't lashed together very well. Uh-huh. And second of all, it was made of a bunch of logs that uh, looked like they weren't long enough. Mm-hmm. And he would, it just was the crappiest raft ever. I mean, it's the kind of raft a bunch of kids would build that they would put in the water and wouldn't hold anybody and then break apart. Right. Like that's, and that's exactly what happened. I cannot believe that John Dory would build that raft. No. I can't do it. It's I 100% agree with you. I wrote down this guy who's supposed to be so capable and good at surviving on his own builds a wooden raft that crappy. Like, I've never seen a bigger piece of shit raft than what he built. And that's not John Dory. I'm sorry. No. He would he would do one of two things. One, he would cut, chop down a tree and then carve out a canoe with the axe. <laughs> that would be the first thing he would do. The second thing he would do was he would burn down a tree and then burn out a canoe with a fire. Because you can actually do that. And that is a uh, a way that uh, Native Americans made canoes hundreds and hundreds of years ago uh, before they had metal tools. They would just, they would burn, set a fire on a tree and then burn it so it would fall down and then strategically burn out a carving, a carve a hole in the canoe with coals and then, uh, and then use rocks to to clean it out, and then you go in the water, and you got yourself a canoe. Well, that's what he would do. Well, you know that that sounds rather complicated to me. But whether he did that or not, I mean, don't forget he's he's injured too. He has a gunshot wound, so he right. might not be able to do all of these things. But regardless, he would have built a better raft. Yeah, and then making a boat out of uh, the the cap of that uh, of that truck. Like we're going to talk about the truck first of all, but you know, thinking that that is. You know, that and duct tape would be, you know, support two people. Uh, not a chance. No, but it it did occur to me that at least it's a better idea. It's, I mean, or or it's a 
different idea. You know, it's it's if you have like twigs that you've bound together and it just immediately sinks, which it did, try something different. And I feel like that thing would float maybe a little bit longer. But still, you're right. Not not with two grown men in it, I don't think. And it's certainly not watertight, so it would take on water immediately. Yeah. Grab a grab a log, big log, throw it in the water, and use it to swim across. Well, you'd you'd be better off trying to log roll across than the raft he built. Yeah. So just you saw I'm just terribly, terribly disappointed in John Dory. Yeah, I agree. That being said, uh I do understand and I appreciate his desire to get back to the mainland. And I had to keep reminding myself that, you know, he's doing all of this to find June, the woman he loves. I enjoy this relationship between the two of them on the show, even though we haven't seen them together in a long time. And some of the things that John Dory was saying to Strand about, you have to fight for every day for what you want. Um, uh, He said that early on, and then later in the episode, he says, uh, he mentions to Strand fighting for the next day, and that's what convinces Strand to come on the second raft. I, I, I like all that stuff. I'm okay with that. I, I understand John Dory's motivation, and I'm happy with it. It's just the way he was going about it was all ass backwards and sort of anti to what I feel I know about his character at this point. Right. Um, so even the candy, you know, even the, the candy, how he takes it out, he looks at it, it reminds him of her. And so, you know, that's that's the symbol that he's doing this for her. And all that stuff is is good. But, you know, number one, we sort of already get that. We kind of know his deal. And we thought we knew what kind of guy he was and what skills he had and so on. But in this episode, it throws it all out the window and he's doing all these stupid things. Um. So, yeah, the car, you know, Strand going up there on that car to take the thing off. And number one, like he's what have we been in the zombie apocalypse for three years now or four years or whatever it's been. We've jumped ahead, of course. He was this guy who in seasons one, two and three also seemed like a pretty capable, smart, conniving kind of guy. And now, all of a sudden, he's climbing up on top of a car that is so obviously going to plunge down that hill in an unsafe way uh, that it just makes him look like a moron. Yeah, uh, well, yes. I got three separate problems with this car. But yes, that that absolutely is true. That uh, don't, don't be stupid. Stupid. They've turned Strand into an idiot. And we'll talk about his drinking in a second, but I want to hear your problems with it. Well, yeah, the bottle of booze in the bottom uh, in the car, uh, you know, being the the focus of his life. Uh, so the booze, uh, it's, it's one thing to, to, I don't know, I just, I have a hard time believing that he would actually risk his life for, uh, for the sake of a bottle of booze. And then he got in the car. Uh, well, he got pulled into the car and then the car rolled all the way down. First of all, he was fine because, you know, why would anybody get injured rolling down a car, like, uh, you know, tumbling a car around four or five times with an open window uh, and no seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, he would be incredibly injured. Second of all, his arm was out. I don't know if you saw it, noticed this, but I saw it on the, even on the first viewing that uh, a, an arm was flung out the window. And rolled over on top of. So the dummy they used for Strand obviously had a had an arm issue. The arm went flying out. So his arm, his entire arm is mangled and crushed, right? 
and he's been flying around inside of a tumbling car that rolled four or five times down a hill. Uh, Strand is either severely injured or dead, in my opinion. Like, he's off the show. Like, he's, he's, he's more dead than Madison. Right. I agree with you. He should have been severely injured. Uh, I, I was going to say maybe that arm could have been the zombie's arm that he was in there with. No, the zombie was all strapped in. He's fine. Well, I mean, his, arm, he, his he, arms he could have died. been flailing, but well, He was out the passenger window. Okay, fair enough. Unless his arm came off and then, and then all of a sudden had a black shirt on. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. Uh, all right. So, but bottom line is Strand, you know, tumbles down a hill, not secured in any way. There's a good chance he would have been ejected th- from the window, fl- flinging that fast. He's in the car oh, yeah. with a, a a zombie that wants to eat him, who ends up taking the worst of it, getting a tree branch through his head. But you're right. He would have been most likely mortally injured. And if not mortally injured, severely injured. Yeah. But he comes out unscathed. Unscathed, and the bottle didn't break, even though there was a sound of breaking glass as soon as the car started rolling. Well, I mean, windows, windshield, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But they specifically put in a sound of breaking glass in order to make us question whether or not that bottle survived. And it did, magically. Yeah, well, we didn't have to wait long to find out. So for me, I just hated the fact that Strand goes up there um, and just makes it, and just looks so stupid doing something so dumb. Now, the fact that he goes for the booze, you know, I it seems insane to you and me, but they're really painting Strand as an alcoholic lately. You know, all he does is drink. All he wants to do, all he talks about is staying in that mansion where he, what did he say? God's wine cellar. And why would he ever leave his paradise? Right. All he wants to do is drink. So he's been gone for a little while. He sees a half a bottle of, uh, of scotch and that's what he wants. And so he makes a stupid decision to get it because he's, he's craving it or, or whatever. Right. You know, that I don't think by itself is, um, such a terrible thing to depict because, you know, people have, alcoholism problems and that's all they can think about um but i just i I feel like they're using this as a as a way to put him in danger unnecessarily and the the sort of the alcoholism has or the drinking with strand has been on the show all along but it's these new showrunners have really, really played it up. And they sort of turned Strand into this one-dimensional guy, in my opinion, that seems to be all about this and nothing else. And like I said, they're using it to to put him in danger. And they're they're turning his whole character into this. <clears throat> into right. this. Um and then um so I don't like that. But then on the flip side, there's another scene here that I thought was okay. And it was later on when um, when Strand and John Dory are talking before they get on raft number two and John Dory asks him if, if he was always a drinker and Strand says, I used to be an amateur, but now I went pro. And he explains that he drinks more now to, you know, forget what he's lost. And he says he has nothing to look forward to only things to look back on. And to, for me, it was a decent contrast between what John Dory is doing. He's trying to move forward. He's trying to look to the future trying to find the woman he loves where strand is remembering Madison and his old friends. And you could argue Madison, you know, his closest friend in a long time, maybe the woman he loved and he lost her. And so he's drinking to do that. So that works for me, but, uh, but everything else about it 
I thought just sort of makes Strand kind of a moron. Right. So there's kind of two sides to that for me. Uh, but you're right. Strand should have been horribly injured in that car wreck and he comes out unscathed, which was pretty dumb. Yeah. But if you'd even draw it back further, he wouldn't have left the cabin. So why would he be up in the truck, uh, and not getting injured? Like it just, he wouldn't have participated in anything. If he was such, if he was the asshole that he's playing right now, he wouldn't have left the cabin. He just would have been harumph. I'm not doing anything. I'm sitting in this damn thing until the waters recede and then I'm walking to my booze. Yeah. Well, they made a point to tell us that, 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 that they were going to run out of supplies before that water recedes. I mean, I don't know how John Dory knew this. Maybe he's, I guess he's from the area, so he might know how these things work, but it did seem like an awful lot of water for, for a flood, but it, wasn't just the rain it came from somewhere else but you're right i don't think strand would have participated if he was if he's the kind of guy he is now or the kind of guy they're showing us he probably would have just shut down and not done anything in that cabin yeah conserve your energy right if you don't have a lot of food just lie in bed you know (laughs) don't exert yourself no and then you'll eat less exactly exactly uh so it all makes me kind of think of of what was the point again of of all the time we spent with with Strand and John Dory here. John Dory being one of my favorite characters on the show, who I think they misused here, and Strand being someone I haven't been happy with lately, uh, and that's just sort of continued. Because again, I don't feel like we learned anything new about these guys. I don't think there was anything about this entire sequence that moved the story forward at all. It was just having them stuck somewhere trying to escape from their current situation. Um, and then when the when they use the horn, the car horn, to apparently cause a distraction or at least draw some zombies into the water so the crocodile will be distracted and they can sail across. Yep. Did you notice that when the horn went out, the zombies just kind of stop, turn around, and start walking back the other way? This was, I think, something like we've never seen on the show before. Well, uh, okay, so Strand did say damn grackle at that time. So maybe the grackle was on the other side of the water, and uh, when the horn stopped, they could hear the grackle again, and they went after it. Okay, maybe. It's pretty thin, it's pretty thin, but it was there, and I think that was the meaning of that. All right, I'll have to take your word for that. For me, I just saw them stop, turn around, and go the other way. And I'm like, that's not how zombies work. That is no, not they don't, that, how they don't do that. we've ever seen them work. They are attracted to a sound. They start walking toward it. If the sound goes out, they just keep walking. They don't know what to do. They just keep moving in that direction, sometimes picking up other zombies to come along with them. Yeah. But So I was just thinking, oh, that's just a that's a very plot convenient thing there, to have the zombies be the distraction. Oh, but now we need our our heroes to be in trouble. So we'll just have them turn around and walk away and the crocodile can't get them anymore. Um, but to me, it was not how walkers actually behave. So I really didn't enjoy that at all either, but overall strand and John Dory to me was mostly pointless. Um, what about, uh, all of Luciana's plot in this episode? I, I forgot to look up that actor, but I've seen him in other stuff before. The guy who played Clayton. Clayton, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did I think? It was a good excuse to have her in the episode? That's a good way of putting it. I mean, they needed to, her to, 
to do something, but I didn't understand why she was doing it. I didn't understand her motivations. And like I think he was going to die. And, you know, like he said, the, uh, that the, the crushed car was the only thing holding him together. Right. So uncrushing the car, or you know, using a, a jack to, to get him out is just going to open up the wound and have him bleed out. So, uh, you know, he's going to die. He's going to sit there and die. And all uh-huh. he wants is a beer. She's like, you know what? That's my new mission in life. I'm going to find you alcohol. Okay. Well, an- another, you know, uh, another beer and alcohol reference in the episode, in the episode. But I mean, that was her sort of practical motivation for what she was doing. This guy is there. He wants something. I'm going to go get it for him. But I was thinking more along the lines of, how did Luciana go from being nearly comatose in the house, listening to music oh, yeah. so much so that she didn't hear a zombie coming up behind her uh, without headphones on going from that state to being in this sort of uh, having such a desire to, to help this guy. She left the house chasing Charlie and she doesn't like Charlie because Charlie killed Nick. Fair enough. She doesn't find Charlie, but now she's outside. Is that all it took to, like, get her to turn herself around and change her attitude and her her feelings about everything? Absolutely not. I don't get it. I don't understand how she got from music listening Luciana to beer hunting Luciana. And I need to understand that, I feel like. You know, that needs to be on screen or told to us at the, in the worst case, right? You know, she's, she's depressed and now she's not. Is that just how it works? Is that what we're supposed to think? I don't know. That's the problem. Uh, Yeah. I guess depression can be uh, cured by just making someone go outside. I'm being facetious. That's not true. That's not the way it works. No, definitely not the way it works. So yeah, I call bullshit on that too. Good point. So anyways, if we, if we accept the fact that that's what's going on, she finds this guy, Clayton. He wants nothing more than one last beer. And I thought to myself, seriously, this, this is what we're going to do. A guy who's dying, he wants one last beer, something that's come up on the show weirdly a lot this half season. And beer. so beer. Yeah, beer. We have a beer making guy who we'll talk about. And then this guy's looking for beer. Strand is drinking constantly. Uh, I don't understand what their obsession with um, drinking and beer is. The showrunners, yeah. I mean. It's a, it's a little strange. I would, you know, if I was in that situation, I'd ask for a smoke. I'd start smoking again. I can guarantee it. If oh. somebody could produce a cigarette, I'd smoke again. Okay, fair enough. I mean, if, if it's that important to you, I guess. Uh, anyways, it sets her off on this mission. And the whole point is so that she will find one of the boxes, find one of Jim's beers in it, in a bonkers coincidence, of course, like this season has had tons of. And... It's the kind of thing you can see coming from a mile away. As soon as that guy said, I want one more beer, you're like, oh, well, we know Jim's leaving beer in boxes. Luciana's going to go get one and bring it back to him, and that's how they're going to reconnect. Like, where's the mystery, people? Where's the sort of storytelling? It's just like, here it is, everyone. Good luck. Have fun with this. So I didn't like that at all. Um, When she brings it back to him and he first takes a sip and and then he comments on it being cold. And she says the first aid kit had an ice pack in it. I, th- I thought that was just so stupid. I mean, why? It, well, I mean, is that ice pack still going to be frozen? No, they have chemical ice packs now. You can crack them and then they get instantly cold. 
All right, I guess I'll. You can you can get you can buy them at the drugstore. They're just uh, and you throw them in a bag. Mm-hmm. You need an ice pack. You crack it and it gets instantly cold and you use it. Okay, so I guess she did that to cool his beer for him. Yeah, chemicals, but then, but not, then he, not actual ice. ice, right? Yeah, but then he actually drinks it. And do you know the the um, the term chewing the scenery? Yes. <laughs> his reaction was so scenery chewing. <laughs> Um, and the, the definition of that is this, chewing the scenery, t- TV tropes, um, acting with extreme emphasis uh, and portraying ridiculous amounts of unnecessary emotion. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so I used to do that all the time when I was in the clown show. Well, you know, that's one thing for a clown and uh, another thing for a guy on a serious post-apocalyptic TV show. But I felt like he was so scene-chewing that I just couldn't take it seriously. And I mean, I don't know. That's, it just, it just bugged me so much. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, I don't even blame the actor for it. I don't know who this guy is because I just, I can just tell that he was probably instructed to do it that way. You know, they they probably told that guy, this is the best beer you've ever had. It's the last beer you're going to have. This is going to be your final scene in the episode. You know, make it count. You like, you're enjoying this beer more than you've ever enjoyed anything in your life. So he, we he need to see that. probably did it like seven or eight times, right? And then the, uh, and then the director kept saying, do it again, but more. Mm-hmm. I want more loving the beer. Uh, and he and his thought was, "Fuck you! I'll show you." And he just does one that's completely over the top and ridiculous to uh, to show the director how much of an idiot he is. Uh, but that's the cut they use. That's the one they use, right? Because that's what they were going for. Or she? I don't know who directed this episode. No, neither do I. I I'm afraid. Uh, so Luciana's whole plot here was just to get her to find that beer, which gets her in front of one of the boxes. So that after that dude's dead, she can radio and Luciana, Morgan, hey, come pick me up. Right. They found yep. each other with through doing nothing to actually find each other, in my opinion. Uh, you could argue that Morgan leaving the boxes, his plan worked and that was his plan. So I guess that's all it takes. Leave the boxes, write a note and you'll find each other. That's right. Um, and then really the only other sort of main plot or main element from this episode, I think, is what the Dirty Joker is doing. Yeah, well, I have problems with that, too, but yes. Um, but, you know, just before we get to that, I did make a couple of notes on on Morgan and June and Al and everybody who who are hanging around. They spent an awful lot of time standing there talking about what they're doing. A good portion of the episode, at least of their scenes, were them debating whether the boxes are a good idea and things like whose fault it is that Wendell and Sarah stole that truck and so on. Oh, incidentally, we forgot to mention that turns out Clayton is the guy who used to own that truck and was the guy originally leaving the boxes. So again, super convenient. I mean, well, there's only so many people left on the planet, Chris. Fair enough. But I don't think you need that. Like I, if, if we're supposed to take something away from that whole uh, plot line about Luciana's state of mind or, anything like that. I'm not sure you need that because she doesn't know anything about that. Her her character doesn't. That might be important to Morgan and Sarah and Wendell and those people, but it's not important. And 
it doesn't make any to, to Luciana, I mean. And if she now goes back and starts talking and they realize that that's the guy, that's the polar bear, because they, they said his name was Polar Bear, right? Yeah. Then it 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 doesn't feel earned in a way. It's like, I don't know. It just, it, it all doesn't make sense. And it feels right. like this, they're- This big mystery guy just gets stumbled across. Yeah. And it feels like they're throwing in these these questions and just answering them in- weird bad ways so it's it doesn't make sense to me anyways um morgan june and al yeah they spend a lot of time just standing around talking sort of explaining to us what they're doing and wondering whether it's working or not clearly it is because now all of a sudden they can talk to each other on the walkies no problem which they couldn't do before um but back to the, the dirty joker she's driving around um i still don't understand her point I don't understand why she's doing things, even though she's kind of explained it to us. Um, what does she say at the beginning of the episode to Morgan on the radio? She says that um, he should stop trying to help people so he can be strong again. And helping other people makes you weak and them weak. Yeah. I think so that, she's trying to help the world. Right. But I think her point is if you... I think what she's saying is you have to filter, like survival of the fittest, you have to filter out the weak people by not helping them. Because if you can't help yourself, they're going to die off and they're just going to be a strain on things anyways if you help them and help them survive for longer because eventually they're going to die off or be a liability to you. So she's saying don't help anybody, let the weak die out and the strong will survive. And I think that's what she's saying. but. I think it just makes her come off as a total psycho rather than anything else. Yeah. She, well, she's very dirty. Yes. Right. So that really kind of speaks to her character <laughs> that uh, she's just kind of a little bit off. Sure. And her homicidal mania. Well, yeah, she's very dirty, but that doesn't mean you can't think straight. And that's what I mean by she's psycho. She's like, she, she truly believes in what she's doing, but it's it's all wrong in in my opinion, but I guess everyone has a well, different yeah. opinion. Everybody has an opinion, and you really like. I, I had a good chance uh, to look at the uh, the dirt on uh, on her, and uh, you got to seriously try to get that dirty. Like you, like it was pretty consistent all across her face, right? The, the amount of dirt, like it was like evenly uh, distributed. All around her face. So that that's a deliberate kind of, I'm going to be dirty and I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to make myself this dirty exactly. Uh, and not just not caring about your appearance and, uh, or, you know, being clean. Cause you would have like dirt in your eyes, like in the crevices mm -hmm. would be the, it would be the dirts would, would kind of coalesce there. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I've seen dirty people. I've been dirty people. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And that's where the dirt kind of ends up, right? Mm -hmm. Also in your mouth. And so you're basically chewing on sand, which really sucks. Yeah. Nobody likes that. Nobody like. oh, my son seems to like it, but that's not, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it looked like a contrived dirty. Sure. So what you're saying is that sort of feeds into her craziness that this, she's doing this on purpose. She's wearing a dirt suit because she wants to. Yeah. It's, it's part of her shtick. It's part of her character. So it makes me question her motives as well. Like what she's saying might not be the actual motives. Like she's just using that as an excuse to uh, achieve some other goal that we don't know yet. 
Okay. Well, I honestly, I hope that's the case because I don't, while I, I guess I can, I mean, I, I, I don't understand what she's, I understand what she says she's doing. I just don't get it. It doesn't seem like the right thing to me unless she's just a psycho and that may be the case. But if there is something else going on, then fair enough. We're going to have to find out. Um, now, at the end of the episode, of course, she pulls up behind them driving Al's van, <laughs> which I yep. still insist on calling a truck. Uh, but she she drives up beside them and, and opens fire. So episode ends right there with Alicia hearing the gunfire on the radio because they're talking to her at that point. And she opens fire and we're supposed to believe that everyone in the back of that truck is in mortal danger of being shot. Okay, so you, let me let me let me ask you a series of questions here. Please, uh, you're dr- you're driving a van. Yes, I or, am. Uh, sorry, a truck. You're driving a big uh, semi right now, right at this moment. Right now, you're driving a semi. There is a tank driving up behind you. Uh, it is catching up to you because it's faster than your lumbering ass, and it can only shoot left. Like it can only shoot directly left. So what do you do? You pull <laughs> over into the left hand lane. Uh huh. Stay in that lane. So that they can pull to the right. You don't weave. You don't try and get them to go off the road because there's railings on both sides. Uh, you don't try and block it so that they can't get uh, around you. Uh, you just, you know, nicely stay in the left-hand lane so that they can pull up directly beside you on the right so that they can get a perfectly lined up shot left. That's not what you do. Well, that's what they did. That's what they did. Yeah. Drive on the right and then the, the, the other truck can only go to your left and therefore the guns are facing the wrong way. Problem solved. Problem solved. Right? Mm-hmm. This is the, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the only time, I, I have a problem with the, the guns only going left anyway, right? Because you can easily outmaneuver that. Uh, well, of if course. If you know that that's a limitation on the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the direction of fire of some kind of vehicle. It's like, oh, I can only fire that way. Sure, it can turn around and fire the other way, but that's a big friggin' truck. It's going to take a while to turn around, and this is only a two-lane highway. Mm-hmm. So, Anyway, so it was awfully convenient that everybody kind of lined up uh, nicely. Well, I get what you're saying, but two things. Number one, maybe Sarah didn't realize that. Maybe she didn't know the guns could only shoot one way. Or, well, or then, uh, she's looking in the rearview mirror and it's it's backwards and she made an error in judgment. Okay, so the first one, uh, it's possible. But uh, what's her name should have told her? That yeah. The guns only fire left, so stay on the right. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, they're right behind us. Oh, wow, that's easy. We can just pull the right-hand lane. Yep. We're saved. Fair enough. You're right. Al should have <laughs> said something. She can run something. us off the road, and that's a, another problem, but at least it's not, you know, uh, point-blank gunfire into the side of a bunch of cardboard, essentially. No, I agree. Al should have said something. And the second, uh, the second thing is, uh, you know, what if she's the biggest idiot in the world and has never driven a vehicle before this morning? The, the Looking dirty... in the rear view mirror and oh, thinking right. that everything's backwards. Right, right. Yeah, right. okay, what if? <laughs> <laughs> what if? What if she's never seen a mirror before and doesn't know how they work? Doesn't know how they work. Yeah, I don't know. My my third point would be it's hard to think under pressure and maybe she just, it didn't occur to her that you can only go one way. She's survived two years in the zombie apocalypse. Or more. Yep. Or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody here has to have some kind of survival skills. And I have a problem with the beer guy because he was afraid of, he's like he's never seen a zombie before. Uh, and uh, what's his name in the wheelchair I had to save him. Yeah, uh, Wendell. So that guy, 
I call bullshit on that too. You don't get to this point in the zombie apocalypse without having some survival instinct or picked up a skill on killing zombies. Yeah, sure. But maybe that's sort of like that sort of illustrates her point a little bit, right? They're helping this guy and it's just a, a drag on them. But and if they just let him die, then they wouldn't have to worry about that. But he, You're he's got to... worse survival instincts than Eugene. Well, I guess Eugene mostly just runs away and hides in closets, but. He does. And he, you know, he figures out a way to survive and gets people what they want. All this guy does is beer. And yeah. you think that he's survived this long by promising other people beer for the last four years? Well, I think the idea is he was able to stay in his brewery and never leave. And he had everything he needed there. So he was protected and he didn't, he didn't have to face any hardship or any danger until mm. now. So they decided to kidnap him because they, they want him to make them beer, which is a whole thing in itself. It's seems so crazy. You know, at the beginning, he's talking about you kidnapped me for my mind. And he starts going on about how maybe after a year, you'd have swill if you tried it yourself. Yeah. Okay. I'm backing off from my complaint about that guy. 40%. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a valid complaint. Um, but I don't know. I, I, for me, I'm just like, oh my God, stop talking about beer. Like, you are so one-dimensional. Like, why are you there? Because you make beer? There's no other reason for him to be there. And in yeah, the beers... And when he's not talking about beer, Luciana's talking about beer. Yeah, and, and Clayton... when she's not talking about beer, Strand is talking about something else that's beer-like. I'm sure he would drink beer if that's all there was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's Oh, well, then we got to get Strand back to the, uh, to the group, because, you know, how magical is that? He's got this guy that makes beer. How much do you want to bet when Strand... And everybody meets back up again. You know, beer, Jim is going to start talking about beer and Strand is going to come over and give him a giant hug and say, you're like something like, you're my new best friend. Oh, I think they're going to be a couple. There's no reason that Jimbo's not gay. Oh God, I forgot Strand was gay. You might be right. Those guys are going to be a couple. (laughs) They're perfect. Perfect for each other. It sure seems like it. Yeah. Well, that's coming up later, I assume. Um... One other thing about the dirty Joker woman that I want to talk about is that right at the beginning of the episode, the first thing when uh, she gets on the radio with them, I started to get the feeling that, you know, I started to get my own feeling that I don't know what she's all about and I don't sort of understand her. Um, Although talking about it here has helped a little bit. But at the time I was thinking, I don't even know if the characters in the show are are getting it because when she first comes on the radio, she calls Quinn the genuine article and June's first words under the radio is like, what does that mean? Who is this? Like, and I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And neither do you. And it's okay that the character doesn't know, but I feel like we should sort of understand something that's going on. And I didn't at that time. So yeah, you can, you can keep things a mystery and keep things unknown uh, from the audience. But you can't do it from both the characters in the show and the audience. You have Somebody has to know, right? Somebody has to be in the know. Mm-hmm. And then that way we feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. And, and the, immediate, the, the next thing that uh, she says, the dirty woman says, after June says, what does that mean? Who is this? She responds with so many questions. And I think to myself, was it? <laughs> Not really. It was two. And they were very basic questions. <laughs> yeah. It's well, just- that's how you derail a conversation, right? As soon as somebody asks a question, you just kind of start talking about how they ask questions. Yeah. Well. That they ask questions or why they ask questions. Like, ooh, questions. Right. Because you don't have an answer because you're a nut job. All right. Well, yeah. 
Um, anything else about about this this episode, Jason? I mean, that covers a, just about all of it for me. I didn't think any of it was very good, except for little moments inside the Strand and John Dory plotline. And to be honest, that mostly had to do with little bits with John. And I'm not surprised about that because he right now is probably the best character on the show, even though he was misused horribly in this episode. Um, but that's that's all I got. I I thought this was just an outright disaster of an episode and didn't really do anything to move us forward, give us any real information or, you know, in, enjoy watching these characters in any way. Um, so I don't know if you've got anything else. John Dory lost his hat. He did. It floated away, didn't it? It did. He's still got his guns and he had that uh, blackjack piece of candy that he eventually ate. He did. What do you think that means? So that candy was being saved for June. Has he lost hope a little bit because he ate it? No, it's, uh, man, that was a shitty situation. I could really use some candy. I know that feeling. Well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Only I think that was a really crappy situation. I could really use a burger. Or a, I'm not really a candy guy. I'm more of a burger guy. Sure, or two liters of coffee guy or something like that. Oh, God. No, coffee, that's just a staple. It's not reward. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> a burger. Required fuel. Sure. Burger's a reward, though. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, I I did notice he ate it, and to me, I started thinking, well, that candy was for June. Maybe he's starting to think he's not going to get back to June now because they're stuck there. You know, but yeah, because the water will never recede because nobody's ever read the Bible. No. <laughs> well, for the record, I haven't, but... Uh, well, you are aware of the story of Noah? I am. And that I'm aware. And big flood and the waters recede? I'm aware of the story, yes. Okay, so then maybe John Dory is too. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, in the context of this, uh, I think he's, you know, lost a little bit of hope, but not entirely, because John can never lose all of his hope. That's That would not be in his nature. Um, but he... Now, I wonder how they're going to get out of there, right? If the only way across is to somehow build a boat and try to get across, they're just going to have to keep building boats until they build a boat that works or the water recedes or they walk, you know, downstream a little bit and find more land that they can just walk across because this isn't technically an island. It's a piece of land with water around it. Right. Build a bridge. Build a bridge. Work. Find a bridge. <laughs> Find a bridge, bring it over here. Yeah. Or find a bridge and walk across it. That's what you're saying. You could do that too. You could do that too. So not a good episode. I'm so sorry. Uh, if anyone out there has, you know, a different opinion on this, I would absolutely love to hear it. I, I, I want my mind changed. I want to be convinced that there was something here that was okay or something to latch on to uh, because I just didn't find it, I'm afraid. And I have been rather disillusioned with the back half of season four, and we've got three more episodes only, and I hope they're good. I want them to be good. I really, really do. But as I said at the beginning, I just don't feel like I know where this season is going or, or even what story they're trying to tell, because a story of separating people and bringing them back together in the way that they're doing it is not working for me. So if you've got anything to say, send us emails, give us calls. Let us know, because I'm feeling bummed about the whole thing. Yeah, I'm a little bummed, too. Right. All right. Well, let's try to unbum ourselves, Jason. And take, Ah, if only I could, Chris. If only. We'll take a short break and come back with some listener feedback. Stay with us. 
listener feedback. All right. Our first email here comes from Jack on the internet. And Jack writes, great first kill by JD. I love the visual effect of having the walkers side blown away. It seems like an it seems like an effect the show should have been doing for a while now. So yeah, you that, was, that was interesting. I was wondering about the physics of that, whether or not that zombie would fall over. But then I got, then I remembered, oh yeah, we have this spine thing that we use to, you know, hold up our frames. Mm-hmm. So a chunk over there, other than the, you know, if, if we didn't need it and having a big hollow chunk, that'd be fine. Right. You know, structurally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it looked pretty cool. And it did. It was a bit of foreshadowing that that chunk had been bitten away by a monster in the water, right? Yeah, it was a shark even. A shark maybe. Yeah, that was that was the whole point of that to me. I thought it looked pretty cool. So Cuz um, an alligator wouldn't do that because an alligator would it grabs on and then drags you to the bottom of the uh the body of water mm-hmm. and then rolls you around a little bit until you drown. Right. And then it eats you. But I guess a zombie wouldn't drown necessarily. No. This... So but I don't think it would take a chunk like that. I would. It's more of a you know they're, they're kind of tear things. They don't just take a chunk of they're not like a an eating machine like a shark i I really think they were thinking sharks yeah it's like no we can't have a shark oh okay fine we'll make it a an alligator but sharks don't roar either no i don't think so i don't think sharks make a lot of noise no maybe in sharknado one two or three or however many however many they made i bet you sharks roar i don't know i haven't seen any real yeah uh, all right, Graham on the internet writes, so not much of a cliffhanger. We end on Dirty Michonne shooting the side of the truck after we know they ducked. Not much tension there, but hopefully the payoff is more interesting this, than the setup. Uh, and just as a note here, dirty the, the term Dirty Michonne for the, <laughs> the dirty woman comes right. from our friends uh, on the Walking Dead cast who's currently being, that's currently being hosted by Jason and Lucy, they called her that on their podcast. So uh, that's where that comes from. I, for the record, like Dirty Joker a little bit better, but what are you going to do? I don't know. Dirty Michonne seems wrong somehow. It, it seems derogatory towards Michonne, yeah. It does. Right? Yeah, I don't think... Well, it's not really derogatory towards Michonne because does that make Michonne the clean Michonne? Because that's not bad. No, maybe not. I don't know. But it then, just... you know, are we being derogatory towards the Joker? Yeah, but I think that's okay. It's the Joker. The Joker's a, well, Michonne's a fictional character as much as the Joker's a fictional character. Well, one's it's a, just that Michonne's a good guy and the Joker's a bad guy. One's a villain, one's a hero. So I'll just leave it at that. I, I still have a problem with it, but I'm not quite sure why. Well, that's it. You might have to think about on that a little bit and figure that yeah. out in your own mind. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, not much of a cliffhanger. So they ducked. They're not going to get shot. I mean, really, do we, do we believe that anyone in that truck actually got hit by a bullet? We've seen this before. We've seen this kind of thing before in, uh, okay, spoiler, we're in spoiler territory now. I'm about to spoil Breaking Bad. Oh my God, Jason's going to spoil Breaking Bad. Everyone, please take this seriously. He's not fucking around. I'm not fucking around. This is a big deal. Okay. That happened in Breaking Bad and everybody died. Yeah? Okay. We don't even have to say more than that. You're right. Everyone died. Um, So we expect everyone in the back of the truck to be dead then. I would. Everybody's standing up. Well, they ducked. They hit the ground. Morgan said, get down, and they did. Oh, they're fine then. Okay. <laughs> as long as you duck, everything's good. I just wonder if anyone what, will be hit, right? <laughs> Spoiler. That's what Walt did, right? Uh, that's true. You're absolutely right, and he was fine. Okay. We're good. Okay. Sorry for the spoil. I still feel bad. Yeah, I know, but you warned him, so hopefully no one 
you know, listened when they shouldn't have. Uh, Sean on the internet writes, so another episode of a couple of characters doing stuff, no ensemble and not much progress made. Is it just not easy to write an episode that moves us forward with the core group? I guess not. But maybe uh, yeah. it should well, this be. This was everybody. I mean, nobody was left out, right? This was, yeah, this was everybody, I guess. Um, some more oh. than others. But I agree that I don't think it moved anything forward other than a couple of people found each other. But then they spent the whole time driving. Or standing around their vehicles. <laughs> or standing around, yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm thinking about moving forward. They, were, they did a lot of driving for not moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Steve in Georgia, with one of my favorite emails of the week, writes, It would have been funny if the brand of beer had been MacGuffin brand. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, you can't have inside jokes like that. So the definition, I have to define another term here on the show, is that a MacGuffin is an object or device in a movie or book that serves merely as a trigger for the plot. Yeah, and, and the I beer? could spoil like 70 movies by saying what the MacGuffin is. You could, absolutely. In this case, MacGuffin brand beer. It's too bad that wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sally on the internet writes, I'm pretty sure when gators strike, they take the body and stash it somewhere for later consumption. Uh, if it hit three or four walkers, they'd have a ton of time to get away. Are they implying there's more than one, more than one alligator? It's just like you're saying. They well, take they it. hunt in packs, right? So they they roar before they and they you know swim right at uh, at what at the at their prey. They don't sneak up. They cause a wake, mm -hmm. plenty of time, and then they roar. And they also hunt in packs. That's completely what alligators do. All right, not just now. They're thinking underwater dogs. <laughs> <laughs> First it was sharks. Now it's underwater dogs. It's got to. Uh, yeah, it makes more sense to have underwater dogs. Okay, right? Because they bark. You know, they're very aggressive, uh, you know, with the noises and yep. they let you know that they're coming because mm -hmm. dogs are pretty dumb and, uh, and they hunt in packs. So underwater dogs. Wild underwater dogs. Yeah. Mur okay. dogs even. Let's go with mur dogs. <laughs> mur dogs. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, Sally. Adam in Texas, friend of the show, writes, So, not to side with crazy here, but Strand risking his life for a bottle of of Lagavulin scotch was 100% justified. That stuff is freaking amazing. This time, I'm giving him a pass. And he wrote a winky face. <laughs> okay, so I hadn't considered the brand of alcohol mm -hmm. and, and Strand's knowledge of alcohol brands. Yeah. So, uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bump that up to slightly not plausible instead of calling complete bullshit on it. All right, fair enough. Lagavulin is good. I have tried it myself. Uh, but still, that's that's a lot of risk to take for something, even if it's the best scotch in the world. Or do you wait for the truck to fall down the hill and then you go and you, you start sucking, you, you know, take out the, uh, uh, the floor mats and strain the glass out of it and then drink it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, not knowing that scotch was there, it probably would have been a better plan just to push that thing over and let it roll down the hill, right? Zombie might get yeah. mangled in the process. I don't know. Well, it also would have helped if, you know, it, he he was there and he was reaching through the window when the zombie had uh, uh, access to him to grab him and pull him in. It's like, would it really have hurt to open the door and go at it, you know, from lower down sure. in, the, in the truck? I don't know. Or, or, or just shoot the zombie first. Anything, well, really. That, that could have worked. You yeah, know? Kill the zombie first. Kill it. But no. You know, there's an expensive, delicious bottle of scotch in there. What you do is you prop the truck up with a stick so that it doesn't fall. 
Mm-hmm. Once the once the truck is safe, then you safely dispatch the zombie, and now you've got no zombie, stable truck, booze is yours. It's seems like a logical plan to me. Booze and boat is yours. Yeah. Everything you need. Well, they weren't thinking straight. I guess not. Eric on the internet writes, I was thinking about this the other day when you talked about how they were introducing new characters on the show. So this email is more general, has to do with, you know, last week's podcast. In fact, the last couple do. Eric goes on. One thing I heard somewhere was that a writer gets residual money from from every time that a new character appears on each subsequent episode. So this could be a situation where the new writers and showrunners are adding new characters so they can get paid. There's no residuals coming to them from pre-existing characters they didn't introduce into the show. Food for thought, keep up the good work. I think we've talked about that on the po- this podcast. Maybe, and I mean, that's a little cynical, but... Probably not outside the realm of possibility. You want to get paid, so you're going to try to introduce your own characters if that means you get paid more. That's true. You know? so And they should get paid a lot for John Dory. They should get uh, paid based on the quality of the character. Uh, yeah. Good point. He's a quality character. It's just that this episode, I think they uh, they made a mistake with him. So don't get paid so much this week, but maybe next week. Yeah, you know, in general. Uh, Perry in Oregon writes, and again, this is about last week's episode, He says, my take on Althea's immediate change of plans when she and June parted ways was that she was bluffing. So if you recall, I complained or I was questioning about whether why uh, Althea immediately said she wasn't going to go with June and then turns around and comes right back with her. Uh, Perry goes on. She wanted June to come with her and she was hoping June would give in and come if she started to walk away. So fair enough. Um, About the truck. You're very right. Not a van, it's a dang truck. It is very bad for a diesel engine to run out of fuel. It would make sense for Althea to stop before running completely out so as not to damage the engine. Then Quinn comes along and goes, hey, it's my lucky day. Never leave your keys in the ignition of your armored personal carrier. Why Al and June didn't drive the truck and collect whatever they could use, I have no idea, since it couldn't have been more than a couple minutes away. So Yeah, you always put the keys in the visor. You don't leave them in the truck. Put them in the visor. Didn't it, the first time when they introduced Althea uh, suggest that she's the only one who knows how to start it? Um, that seems, or, or am I thinking uh, Mad Max Fury Road? Well, no, that sounds familiar, but that's been a trope in in TV and movies for a long time. So I could be misremembering, but I don't know. Mad Max did that in Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. He had a, a kill switch. They did that in Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I thought that that they said that you don't even wouldn't even know how to start it. Maybe she was just fucking with them. Maybe. When, I, I think it's I think it's interesting though, just the idea that you can't let it run out of fuel entirely. I didn't know that about diesel. I didn't either. Interesting. And then the whole idea of bluffing, walking away, trying to like convince June to come with her back to the truck instead of go uh, to find Morgan. I think that's a pretty good take on it actually. And then she realized she was going to drive away, so she said, "All right, didn't work. I'm gonna." not go off on my own. Makes sense. Right. Yeah. I like that. All right. We have some calls here before we wrap things up for the day. This one comes from Tommy. Hi guys. Um, what really annoyed me about this episode was, did you notice the Walker crawl up onto Al and try to bite a face? That Walker could have easily have just bitten her leg. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Anyway, thanks, guys. You guys are doing great. 
Tommy, Florida. Thank you, Tommy. So about last week when Al was sick on the ground, Walker gets there and tries to claw its way up to her neck instead of, you know, biting her ankle, which well, sometimes they do that. Yeah, we've got to remember that uh, uh, zombies have residual memories from when they were alive. Some mm-hmm. people have foot things and some people have anti-foot things. So uh, maybe this was kind of the kind of zombies like, I, I got a thing against feet. I'm more of a face guy. <laughs> sure. And so uh, that's what they were doing. Yeah, maybe. Do the zombies still have residual memories? Has that been thrown out? Because that was early on in the show. But is that still a thing? And well, and is it a thing on I, this it, show? I think it might be a joke. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Like, was it a real thing? <laughs> fair enough. There was the there was the RV inspector zombie. Yeah, there was. Uh, I think it was from the pilot uh, when somebody was trying to open a door. Morgan's wife was trying to get back Morgan's, into their house. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's that's where it came from. Right, RV inspector. I mean, he was the one who walked up into the RV way, way back in season one when Andrea was in there, right? That's right. Yeah, she stabbed him in the eye with a with a screwdriver. Why Is would that a spoiler? He... That's not a spoiler. It's a show, right? No, you're allowed to spoil this show, especially if it's happened in the past and and in the future, not so much. But yeah. okay, so don't spoil the future. No, don't spoil the future. Yeah, if I if I knew about the future, I probably wouldn't spoil it, and nobody believed me anyway because that's the whole Cassandra complex. You could say anything you wanted, and nobody would believe you. That's right. It's true. All right, call here comes from Dale. Hi, guys. This is Dale in Maryland. Just wondering if anyone's noticed how easy it is to break a padlock on this show. Um, did anyone get upset when June was able to break a padlock with her walkie-talkie? I mean, really. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. Thank you, Dale. Uh, again, I think that's another thing that's kind of a trope in movies and TV. If you need to break a lock off, just hit it a couple times. It'll fall right off. You know, locks have uh, ratings on them now. I was at Home Depot the other day buying a lock, and you could get a lock. It's on a scale of 1 to 10, how tough they are. You could get a you know a 1, which is for luggage, and then uh, you get the 10, which is this monstrous thing that looks like uh, you'd probably need a blowtorch to get through. No matter how hard you hit it with the butt of your rifle, it's not going to break off. Yeah, and if you hit it with a hunk of plastic uh, walkie-talkie, yeah, it's definitely going to break the walkie-talkie. Sure. Well. And it's physics, right? You know, you hit a hard thing with a soft thing, what's going to break? The soft thing. If you hit two things of exactly the same strength, it's a 50-50 chance which one's going to break. Well, in the world of TV and movies, you hit something, you hit a padlock with anything, and generally the padlock breaks. Right. So, and then even in this episode, John Dory went to hit somebody with an axe, and it didn't, or hit a zombie with an axe, and it didn't kill him, but he stabbed the zombie through the skull with the butt of the axe. Uh, that's right. He chopped the axe into its shoulder and it just uh, barely touched it, but he put the wooden handle <laughs> through his skull. Oh my God. Yeah. You know what? The zombie skulls are either made out of mush, uh-huh. like we've seen Nerf skulls or eggshells. Sure. Now that zombie was a wet one. He said, I hate the wet ones. And and you think maybe if that they're was funny, completely, yeah, that was good. Completely waterlogged. Like maybe that softened it a little bit or something. He's also dead. So... Yeah, I. you know what, though? I didn't even think about that. I'm so far beyond worrying about the sort of physics of the killing the zombies that I just, I let it go. It's suspension of disbelief, and this is the way it is. It's easy right. to st- stab them. Same thing with locks. They become softer over time. True. Can, and, but walkie-talkies do not. No. So they harden. <laughs> they harden. So, uh, yeah, they're made out of the same thing that uh, Nokia phones are made out of. That's right. Uh, you know, adamantium. 
It must be. Must be something like that. Okay, a couple more. This is uh, Wendy about Alicia's episode, Close Your Eyes, from a few weeks ago. Okay, so I'm a little behind on watching the shows, and I'm just listening to the one now where um, Alicia and the little girl are in the house. And I'm listening to your podcast, and you're talking about why she's so insistent on the little girl handing her the coat. So I can tell you as a mother of teenagers that if I ask for one of my children's coats and they don't give it to me, there's a reason why. So I took that scene in a whole different way. Like if I say to my son, give me your coat, and he's reluctant to give me something that's very simple, ask, I want to, that makes me want to search the coat. Okay, so just a different perspective. Um, This is Wendy from South Dakota. Um, Have a good day. Thank you, Wendy. You have a good day, too. And I appreciate that point. And I feel like it's something that I might learn soon in my own dealings with my children who are quickly approaching their teenage years. So don't trust anybody who doesn't want to give you something. Well, what, it, what Wendy is saying is that if you ask your kid for their coat, even if it's completely innocent because you just want to hang it up for them, and they say, no, I'm not taking my jacket off, it means they're hiding their weed in there. Right. Or they got a tattoo. Or they have something underneath they don't want you to see. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know how Alicia would know that, but I guess it's maybe it's just some sort of instinct. I don't know. Thank you, Wendy, for that. Finally, last call here, slightly longer one, comes from Gareth. Hi, Chris and Jason. I've got a little bit of listener feedback. (laughs) So, Andrew Lincoln's going to leave the TV show. And you keep asking why, how, how, well, you keep speculating on how the TV show is going to survive without him. Well, you've got plot, you've got plots going on in the main show and you've got plots going on in the Fear show. So, I don't see where the plot's going with Fear the Walking Dead. I don't, see, I don't see a plot at the moment. Everything, All the bad people are gone, apart from the filthy woman. But wouldn't it be crazy, wouldn't it be crazy if Fear the Walking Dead walked into The Walking Dead and that was that. There was no more fear. There was just The Walking Dead with a bunch of new characters from Fear the Walking Dead. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be absolutely... Because I, I also want to think... I also don't understand how... They've caught up with each other time-wise. How how have the timelines caught up with each other? But that's just the way TV shows work. There's things that you don't understand. And we're expected just to accept it now. That in four seasons, it's taken the same amount of time to go from point A to point B in four seasons. And from point A in season one of The Walking Dead when Rick wakes up to (laughs) to season nine or season eight in the same amount of time. It seems a bit crazy. Of course, more happened during that time, but yeah, wouldn't that be crazy? <clears throat> That'd be really cool. And also, why didn't Morgan just let those people go on to Alexandria? Why didn't he just send them there? Rick, Rick, and everybody else in the kingdom, and Maggie, and the hilltop, have all have just taken out Negan. So why can't they get rid of two people in a truck? Honestly, one of them's in a wheelchair. Not saying anything bad about people in a wheelchair, but. He's not exactly a formidable foe compared to Negan. And they got rid of him. So, you know, I don't know why they didn't do that. And I'm not worried about the filthy woman either. Not unless she's got another bunch of saviors. 
hiding behind her, which I doubt. But I just think that the fear of the Walking Dead's going nowhere, and they should put everybody into one season and then finish everything with a bang. And I think Daryl is the one, is the one to carry the flag. I think he is the one. Maybe he's gonna. Maybe Alicia's gonna be his partner in crime. Who knows? Maybe Alicia's gonna be the be his rock. Or maybe Carol is. I don't know. That's all I got to say. Thanks, Gareth in Germany. All right, thanks, Gareth. The whole everything he said there is similar to what I was talking about the other week, where I think they should just merge the shows and then maybe start something totally new if they want to. But I think the most important thing he said there is that finish everything with a bang. A yeah, big bang. I, I don't want the shows to fizzle out, but I do think, you know, an ending point would be a good thing at this point. So finish with a bang and see what see what happens after that. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of room for new stories and even new styles of stories in this universe. 100%. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get this done. Let's get her done. I'm not saying end it immediately, but think about it at least. All right. Thanks so much, everyone who wrote and called in. Uh, we, we really appreciate getting all your feedback and calls and everything like that. Next episode of Fear the Walking Dead is called MM54, which quite obviously means Mile Marker 54. So I guess something's happening yep. at Mile Marker 54. Ends in a four. It sure does. That comes next week. It is episode number uh, 14 of season four. So we've only got a few left and uh, I'm glad we're wrapping it up relatively early here tonight because I have to get up at 5 a.m. to get on an airplane to fly to Seattle. So if you see me see me walking around Seattle, Washington in the next five days, as always, please say hi. Um, So title reads, you can do them uh, into your phone or or however you want and send us an audio file, MM54, as I said. Uh, But otherwise, if you'd like to get in touch with us, please visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. Check us out on Twitter at talking dead or visit our website where you can find all of our episodes as well as send us uh, voicemails by clicking on send voicemail at the top. That's talkingdeadpodcast.com. And of course, as always, email can be sent to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Ah, hello. I'm sorry I didn't see you there. Please, come in. Chris and Jason have just popped off to change into something a little more comfortable. You know what those boys are like. Please, sit down. Help yourself to a drink. And welcome to the Talking Dead After Hours. All right, everyone. Welcome back for a moment. We're going to do a brief After Hours segment here. It won't take too long, but... Uh, I just wanted to talk about the theme music a little bit more really quickly. Okay. Uh, because, you know, I didn't want to take too much time off the top of the podcast to do that, other than just to say, yes, it's new, and and uh, I hope, you know, everyone is, is okay with that. Because, like I said, I know if you get used to something for this long, it's, it's difficult to um, get used to something new. And I, I 
I, uh, I understand that totally. I know if some of my favorite podcasts suddenly made a huge change, I'd be like, what's going on? Why are you doing that? You know, I like the way it was kind of thing. Even if hosts changed, I, I've listened to some shows where they've had long-term hosts and then somebody leaves or somebody new comes on. It takes a while to, to get used to it. So you can do that. Well, I no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess you can, I suppose. Are you trying to tell me something? No. Okay. <laughs> I just know that that was possible to, I guess, you know, things change, things move on, but I've had podcasts change theme music before. It's yeah. disconcerting for a little while, but you get used to it. Yeah. And, and I hope that's what's going to happen. The, the reason I didn't, or sorry, the reason I didn't mention um, one of the big reasons for this that I didn't mention off the top is that that song that we used is by a Canadian band called Sloan, and the song is called uh, Money, shoot, Money City Maniacs or Motor yeah. City Maniacs? Money City. Money City Maniacs. Uh, and it's a great tune, and I, I wanted to use it for the intro to the podcast just because it seemed to fit in well. It starts with sirens, which sort of imply emergency. You know, zombies are starting to walk around the world. You could consider that an emergency. It had a pretty cool guitar riff that, that sounded awesome. And then it kind of brought itself down a little bit there where we could put in the voiceover introducing the show. And it just worked really well. And so, you know, you and I, when we first chose to use it all those years ago, uh, we're really excited about it and really wanted to do it. And I did my best to reach out to the band uh, through all means possible at the time and talk to them about it and basically get permission to do it. Uh, but I never got any response. I never got any reaction from anybody involved with the band um, to my inquiries. And so maybe the smart person at the time would have been like, oh, well, can't do that because, you know, we need we need that permission. But I was not the smart person. I decided to use it anyway. Well, you have to also remember this was way back when, when we started the podcast. Mm -hmm. And it was before we even had a single listener. We're like, fuck it. Who's going to hear the podcast anyway? There's also that. Well, no, it isn't because we, we started, we, we used that song after season one. We oh, started in season right. two. Yeah. But but your point is valid that, you know, we didn't have the listeners then that we do now, for sure. It was it was in the early days. Um, I also, you know, I had no idea where this was going to go. I had no idea how long we'd be doing it for. I didn't know if The Walking Dead would be canceled after season two, you know. So we decided to go for it, but never got official official permission or any sort of arrangement to make it happen. Um, and that's always been in the back of my mind as something that's bothered me and something that I think isn't really right and could honestly come back and bite us in the ass someday. Yeah. And I, I never really worried about it too much, but it was always there. So I finally, and you know, together we finally decided that, that it's not something we want to continue doing. So we started to look for something different and the track I came across, which I'll be quite honest, I came across on a stock music website. I listened to what felt like hundreds and hundreds of tracks until I found one that I thought would work and sounded cool. And what I like about it is that it is, it's reminiscent of the actual Walking Dead's theme song with those sort of, that string arrangement at the beginning. It has the big scary kind of noise in there that's sort of a horror or maybe just, you know, action adventure movie thing 
And then again, I was able to do an edit of it that allowed us to put in the voiceover nicely and then kind of finish it off with a bit of a melodic sort of cinematic type melody theme. And once I put it all together and I listened to it a whole bunch, I really started to dig it. And I sent it to you. And from what I could tell is you started to dig it. And, you know, as they say, it just the rest is history. So <laughs> yeah, we played just it. Kept getting dug. We played it once and it's history now. So that's that's yeah. really where the decision came from that, um, you know, we've been using this song probably inappropriately for all these years. Uh, where I'm obviously not going to go back and change all the other episodes and update them. That would be nuts. But from here going forward, uh, we're going to have new theme music. So I hope you like it, but do indeed let us know what you think. Um, and you know, that's that. Hopefully you can get used to it. Uh, I, I think you can, and I'm already, already getting there myself. So I like it. Yeah. You know, I'm a fan. I'm going to play it one more time. Just, uh, just so, um, I don't know, just so everyone can uh, can hear it and remind themselves what it sounds like, and then we'll be done. Awesome. Good night, everyone. See you later. Bye. This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. <laughs>